Joseph Daniel Votto still bangs, and he's just getting started. Tyler Stevenson should start concentrating on first base, and there's a new ace of the bullpen for your Cincinnati Reds. Let's go! You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. We are a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, back from the indeterminate injured list, and I am excited to be here. Uh, I've been podcasting alongside uh, Jeff for about uh, six, seven months now, and we both have about four years of podcasting experience covering the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, We both have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds. We have a passion for baseball and we have turned that passion into information for you. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about the greatness that is future Hall of Famer Joseph Daniel Votto. Uh, Jeff and I are also going to talk about what the Reds should do with Tyler Stevenson moving forward. And Jeff and I are also going to play a rousing game of three questions coming up a little bit later that we're going to try to give you the best answers too. But I think the best place to start, Jeff, is to get into a little bit of this talk about the greatness that is Joey Votto, because Votto still bangs. He absolutely bangs, Steve. He absolutely clobbered that pitch from Yimi Garcia, just a crushed pitch. And it was funny because when you watched it, you're like, boy, oh boy, he really hit that thing to the moon. But he had so much under it, and you kept seeing the right fielder just range back and back and back, and he's hitting the wall, and then all of a sudden, he just bangs it off of the upper deck. Looked like it hit the railing there or something like that, but it was so great to see his second uh, extra base hit of the weekend, and really, if you average it out as to what he did with the RBIs and how many runs that the Reds scored, he accounted for 40% of the Reds' runs this past weekend. It is great to have Joey Votto back in the lineup. And actually, let me correct a little something you said there. He had an extra base hit in all three games. He doubled ah. on the first night, he doubled on the second night, and he homered today. So, you know, we talk about Joey Votto, and we've both learned along the way to never doubt what Joey Votto can do, to never doubt him, to, to, to have faith that he's going to figure it out. And each of the last few years, there have been periods where we all kind of started looking around going, um, <laughs> is this it? Did we finally reach the end only for there to be a moment for there to be a spark? And then Joey goes on a tear and he's the Joey Votto of old. And I think what we witnessed in Toronto, north of the border in Canada was Joey finding his groove. I think that from here forward, he is the old Joey Votto again. He's going to be making strong, hard contact. Uh, You know, they talked about it on the broadcast before the home run that his exit velocities the last couple of days have been above 100 miles an hour. Uh, And that's what Joey Votto has been looking for, that that solid, sharp barreling to drive the ball. And and we've seen it show up. So I think that that rehab stint did him some good before coming off the injured list. And I think that moving forward, we're going to get the Joey Votto that we need this team to have in order for them to find some success. Yes, give me those barrels. Give Joey those barrels. He said that that's really the thing that he wants to lead the league in 
is barrel percentage and number and all that great stuff. I loved watching it, and it was great, too. As soon as he hit it, he tossed his bat, and he looked at the dugout, and he said, I told you. I told you. And he rounded the bases. Just absolutely phenomenal to watch him play. And, yeah, this is about the same time. Now, he came back last year from his injury on June 8th, so he wasn't exactly playing on May 22nd back in 2021. But if you extrapolate this out from this day forward for the rest of the 2021 season he had a weighted runs created plus which is not i usually use ops plus but for this one i use weighted runs created plus of 155 an all-encompassing stat talking about how good he was at hitting the baseball but 155 from this point to the end of last season do we think He's going to be somewhere around there and, and, and about how close or does he go over that from this point toward the end of the season? Because it's obvious Joseph Daniel Votto is fighting against Father Time here. But last year, it looked like he was doing a pretty good job of it. You know, when we, when you look at what to expect from Joey, it's really hard to it's really hard to to measure it out because of some external factors. There's rule changes. There's Major League Baseball tinkering with the darn baseball every five minutes. There's there's lots of things that <laughs> that change how to to get a good metric. But uh, you and I talked in the off season that if Joey Votto can be you know 120, 125, 130 on OPS plus that we consider that to be a successful season from him. Yes. And I still think that that's the benchmark. If he can play 20 to 30% above whatever league average is, taking all of those external variables into account, then I think that Joey Votto is having a successful season. And I don't think that it's been too bad of a start for him to still get there. I think he is quite capable of finishing this season 20 to 30% above, above league average. And that's saying something, too, because and really, this is more of a footnote when you're talking about the rest of the year, because there's absolutely no way that this would have continued uh, even before I saw him hit a home run yesterday. But coming into Sunday's game, there is no Reds position player who had a lower wins above replacement than Joey Votto did, at least according to Fangrass. Fangrass had him at negative one point one. Now, that is a cumulative stat, and that just has to do with a lot of, you know, extenuating circumstances when it comes to who's playing and how many games they're playing. I mean, if Taylor Motter had gotten any more at bats and we saw this past weekend, I'm pretty sure he would be the guy that's uh, leading or the lowest on the war category. But no, I, I think that it's changing. We are looking at a resurgent Joey Votto from this, from this point forward, much like we saw last year. And, you know, I think something very telling from Joey, uh, if you happen to catch his post-game interview with Jim Day uh, after yesterday's broadcast, uh, you know, Joey was basically like, man, I just, I need to hit. I need to come out here and be elite. I need to, like, you know, it doesn't matter where we are. I, you know, I play for the Reds and we're we're on we're facing a, a visiting opponent. I just need to be successful. And and I love that, you know, even in these moments where people really want Joey to dig in on the whole moment of the thing and the oh being in Toronto and how special is this. He's not having it. The only thing he cares about is being successful and helping this team team win baseball games. And and I love it. I think that's one of the things that makes him great is because he's never, ever been about anything personal accolade or accomplishment wise. He just wants to win. Honestly, I think that that's why he joined social media because he can do that on social media. He can be, you know, gosh, gosh, darn it all. It's so great to be home you know, on Twitter and on Instagram. And then when he gets on the field, it's about beating the other team on the side, or on the other side exactly. of the field. I love that. Love yep. that about Joey Votto. 
You know what, Steve? Uh, we've been talking about Joseph Daniel Votto here in this first segment. And when we're looking at first base, there needs to be a clear plan for Tyler Stevenson's future. And it's not a catcher. And the clear plan for your future when you're talking about your diet is to get yourself some Built Bars. Built Bars got this amazing new flavor that you've got to check out today. It is brownie batter puff. I love brownies. You love brownies, but you know what I love more? Brownie batter puff. Sometimes I eat half the batter just while making the browners. brownies. <laughs> Imagine if you could lick that brownie spatula and clean and get some protein in it. I really should have read this copy before I started doing it, Steve. You're in luck because Built has a new creation, and this one is better than ever because Brownie Batter Puff. Look, the puffs are amazing. If you have not tried a Built Puff yet, you're missing out. It is a marshmallow. Yes, a marshmallow that has protein in it, and it's covered with 100% real chocolate. The birthday cake puffs were amazing. Brownie Batter Puffs are even better. Plus, they've got great stats. 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, only seven grams of sugar too in these brownie batter puffs. You've got to check them out today and go to built.com. Use the promo code locked 15 to save 15% off your next order. Go get you some brownie batter puffs today. I'm telling you healthiness and they're covered with 100% or chocolate, but they are just absolutely made up of collagen protein which your body absorbs more efficiently. I know health stuff. Well, at least that's what they tell me on the, the ad copy. Anyway, go to built.com and use the promo code locked 15 to say 15% off your next order of brownie batter puff built bars. Thank you for making Locked On Reds your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. Recaps of Major League Baseball games with analysis from our local experts in all under 20 minutes. There's no better way to go through each and every day of the Major League Baseball season than with the Locked On Now podcast. Just like Locked On Reds, it's free and available on all platforms. Also, make sure you're following the podcast on all platforms, including YouTube. Coming up tomorrow. Will the Reds get started off on the right foot against the Cubs as Vladimir Gutierrez takes the mound? But Steve, let's talk about this weekend continuing because we saw something that was a little bit concerning, and that was earlier on on this road trip, and it's something that you wanted to talk about quite a bit, and it's something that I kind of like mentioned, but I didn't really dive into, and that is the idea that Tyler Stevenson needs to not be so focused on catcher and we need to get a better position for him because he is going to be a generational hitting talent. So here's the thing, Jeff. And when we talk about Tyler Stevenson and at the catcher position, we have a tendency to want to talk about Tyler Stevenson being a nice hitting catcher or a good hitting catcher. Listen, currently right now, let's just go old school with the statistics. Let's talk about Tyler Stevenson's slash line. His slash line right now is 303, 357, 863. That's not a good hitting catcher. That's a great hitting major league baseball player right now. <laughs> and the fact of the matter is the Reds really need to begin to start looking towards how to maximize the career of Tyler Stevenson. They need to begin now making, as you said, 
long-term plans for what to do with Tyler in order to get the most at-bats out of him during his time in Cincinnati. And I think the answer to that is not moving him from catcher today or tomorrow or even this week, but he needs to start taking reps at first base. He needs to start getting himself prepared to fill in on the days maybe that Joey can't go or the days that they're going to DH Votto, move Tyler Stevenson down there to first base. Because here's the thing, not only do you want to protect Tyler Stevenson from uh, keeping him on the field standpoint just for your own personal gain, but he now has some very real health issues, some very real health concerns, courtesy of these concussions that he has had. Now, concussions are a very, a very hard injury to deal with because once you've had one, you're more prone to another one. And in a six month period, if you get a second one, listen, we're not going to mess around with this. Those can be deadly. Your brain can swell up and you can die. Now that's a rare occurrence. That doesn't happen often, but you know, everybody's not a major league baseball catcher either where they're catching foul balls to the face every day. So I think there needs to be some real concern and a lot of consultation with the doctors moving forward to make sure that they're not only protecting their investment in Tyler Stevenson, but they're protecting Tyler Stevenson, the person and his health. It's very evident to me. I mean, obviously we can have this discussion whenever Jonathan India is back healthy and we're watching him play baseball because it's unfair to have this discussion right now. But the discussion is between who is the better red moving forward, Jonathan India or Tyler Stevenson and Tyler Stevenson, even before the rookie of the year award went to Jonathan India. Stevenson had a very good argument. This is a dude that the reds can build around and by building around him, that's not leaving him in the most vulnerable position. I agree with you. If he is in a position that is going to cause him more injury then the reds absolutely need to consider moving him around. Now I've heard some talk of people saying, well, what about third? What about left? No, well, come on. That, that, that's not even close. No first base, is where you move him if you move him because then he can be a first base DH emergency catcher type dude. And I'm not thinking that I, I'm with you. I'm not thinking that they're going to do it this year over the course of the next couple of years. As Joey Votto phases out of his career, you can phase Tyler Stevenson in. There's also no clear plan. If you look at the minor leagues, you look at top prospects who and guys who are going to be coming up in the next few years, there's no clear plan as to who's going to take over first base. We mentioned the idea of Reese Hines maybe moving there, but I like him more in the outfield, especially if he continues to figure out the making contact side of things because his power is there. His power is amazing. And I, I, I like him more in the outfield for his future value. So I think that Tyler Stevenson needs to be that guy because much of the infield, if you look at the infield of 2024, you're talking about some form or fashion. I'm not exactly sure as to who fits in where, but Matt McClain, Ellie De La Cruz and Jose Torres are ever going to fit in. And maybe Jose Barrero, depending on how he plays the rest of this year, once he gets back, I, there's going to be plenty of answers and first base is really going to be your only question mark. So make that an answer as well because I think that they've got some interesting dudes at catcher coming up through the system too. Well, yeah, you know, we can talk about Nelson down in Dayton. It seems like all of the yep. talent is at Dayton right now, but there are, as you, as you say, a couple, uh, a couple guys in the system that are, are being looked upon at the catcher position to, to be in that 2024 crop 
that we keep talking about of players that are going to reach Cincinnati. And there's going to be this logjam of great young talent. And catch the catching position is no exception to that. And so I think for, you know, for the health concerns, for the ability to get more at bats, more playing time for Tyler Stevenson, the, the easiest answer is to move him to first base. And it also fixes that problem that you just mentioned, which is you look around this farm system and that's the one position where there's really not a log jam of talent. It's the one spot where you're kind of still looking for who is the guy we're going to slot in here. And I think you answer that question while protecting Tyler Stevenson's health as well. I agree. And I think that um, the Reds need to be proactive here. It's something that they've shown, at least while a player is coming up through the farm system, they have a good plan for him. We've talked about this in the past, though. Once they get to the major leagues, it almost feels like like they forgot what the whole plan was. They're just like, well, let's see what happens if we put him here. They need to come up with a plan right now for Tyler Stevenson, and that is not to leave him behind the plate. And I get it. This is a thing amongst baseball fans. If you can talk about a catcher who's also a really good hitter, then you want to keep him at catcher because there's something sexy about an all-star catcher that can do it all. I think that the Reds need to be realistic here, and this is not just something that they can be like, yes, we have a sexy catcher. We'll leave it at that. You know, ultimately, Jeff, if he hadn't had a couple concussions already and we were just talking about, oh, he can really hit and he hasn't been hurt, uh, I would I would agree. Let's not yeah. talk about moving him at all. But ultimately, it's about him and it's about his health. And the Reds need to start thinking about Tyler Stevenson, the person, and making him Tyler Stevenson, the first baseman. You know, coming up, Jeff, uh, we're going to have to figure out uh, who exactly it is that is the ace of this Cincinnati Reds bullpen right now. and. I want to ask you an interesting question, and I'll just tease you with it. That question is going to be, is the Punisher back to stay? We're going to talk about that as well as a couple other things coming up right after this. Make sure you are following us on Twitter. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker with two F's. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr with three F's because spelling is hard and he went to school in Alabama. And you can also follow the show at Locked on Reds with no F's at all. You know, there's three questions we can ask Jeff and we can talk about uh, kind of getting our bearings of where this Reds team sits right now. And uh, after yesterday's game, Aristides Aquino gets a start. He gets a big two RBI double. Uh, he gets a excuse me swing base hit and then ends up stealing a base. And, you know, he was a, a big part of uh, putting Joey Votto in position to be the hometown hero on the road, I guess we'll call it, uh, winning <laughs> that game with a, with a home run in Toronto. So let's start right there with Aristides Aquino. Jeff, the question to you is, is the Punisher back? I want to say yes, I do. Because look, we, we've been over this before. I can't really be that objective with Aristides Aquino, but I think over the course of most of this season so far, he has forced me to be objective about him. Before he went down to AAA, he was striking out almost half the time. That, that's not 20% of the time. That's not slightly above league average. Literally half the time he was striking out. And I still saw it today. There, there was a pitch from Yusei Kikuchi that was, I believe, a changeup that had no business hitting the strike zone. It didn't start in the strike zone. It didn't even come close to the strike zone. It definitely didn't end up in the strike zone. I think it was like at shoe level. And Aquino swung at that for some reason. I don't know what. 
And Kikuchi's a left-handed pitcher, so you can't just say, well, he doesn't see right-handed pitching very well. It's coming from the left side. I still think that there's a lot to like about his raw talent, but he is so raw that I don't think he'll ever be refined. We've had plenty of time now to see if it can be a process that has refined his ability to play Major League Baseball. And I just don't think it's there. He's got an arm. He's got the fielding talent, and he's got the power if he makes contact. He just doesn't make contact enough. So here's the thing with Aristides Aquino. He is a triple A plus player. He's always just going to be the guy that you can bring up in a pinch that will give you some great outfield play, may occasionally run into one during an at-bat, may get you something lucky, like that excuse me swing for a single. You know, he had some hustle on that play. You love to see it. But let's let's make no mistake, his stolen base was that he got picked off and he managed to actually get out of it. You know, he didn't go out there and steal a base. He got lucky. And the reason he was on base is he got lucky. And, you know, you need that sometimes. But at the end of the day, Aristides Aquino, for as long as the Reds can keep him in the system, will shuttle back and forth between Cincinnati and Louisville. Uh, he'll be the guy that makes a spot start, is an emergency fill-in. And, and that's all he's ever going to be because if they could fix that giant gaping hole in his swing, they would have already. 10 days in Louisville did not fix that because I'll tell you this, if all it was going to take to fix him was 10 days in Louisville and they haven't done it till now, it's criminal and everybody <laughs> in the Reds front office should be fired. And, and, and that's just the bottom line with that. So for me, the answer is, you know, no, Aristides Aquino is not back. He's just who he is. I want to say this because this is something that I always have trouble with when we're talking about Aristides Aquino. And I wonder about this because a guy that I always think of as he the perfect player that we're like, he should have been a starter. But every time he actually started, we saw bad things from him is Chris Heisey. If you are taking a draft between Chris Heisey and Aristides Aquino, which player are you taking? Uh, probably Heisey. <laughs> I think he's probably the one I take just by a little bit. <laughs> I think so. And I think that that is why that's where my mind is. It's just like, okay, if I have to be objective about him, who does he compare to? And if I can compare him to Chris Heisey and still take Chris Heisey, then I think we know who Aristides Aquino is. And Hey, look, there's some value to being the sixth or seventh or eighth outfielder on the roster because we've seen it. They didn't have a guy to play third base. So they had to call up Taylor Motter. So, you know, I, I'd rather have a guy like Aristides Aquino that you can call on in that crazy where, where the Reds are with this crazy pinch of a situation. But yes, I agree. That is who Aristides Aquino is. He's nothing more. All right. Next question, Jeffrey. Who would you select? And this is kind of a give me if you just look at the surface of it, but let's see what direction you go. Who would you select right now if I ask you to tell me who the ace of the Cincinnati Reds bullpen is right now today. His uniform number is 4-3-43, Alexis Diaz. Because I'm telling you what, when you watch that dude pitch, and they really did a good job of breaking it down on the television broadcast today, did Sam LeCure. You talk about that kind of high leg kick that he has and how it hides his delivery because his delivery is a little bit wonky and kind of sidearm a little bit. I love watching him pitch, and hitters don't know where that fastball is going. Sometimes he might not know where that fastball is going, but it's going around the strike zone somewhere, and he was fooling everybody. He fooled Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who I would have figured would have clobbered one of those fastballs, and then every so often, not a lot, he doesn't overuse it, but every so often, he drops in that slider, and a hitter swings right over top of it, and is just like, 
what am I supposed to do with that pitch? And yes, it's easy to say that that's my pick after he just pitched six up, six down, two perfect innings against the Toronto Blue Jays. But I believe that he's been building this for a while. I think that this is the dude who the Reds can count on to be the bullpen ace, at least for this year. Relief pitching is kind of fickle. Steve, I know that when you're talking about a bullpen guy, you got to expect a little bit of craziness and a little bit of unpredictability. But when I'm seeing Alexis Diaz coming out of the bullpen, I'm getting excited and he is the bullpen ace in my mind. Okay, a couple things, Jeff. Uh, first of all, talking about Diaz and his motion. Uh, I don't know if you saw that great side-by-side -side that was floating around on Twitter yes. where they, they put him side-by-side -side with his brother, and it was nearly identical. And I love it. It was great. It was so you know so interesting to see that, these two brothers that were clearly, you know, they came up together, they came up with some of the same instruction, and they, their pitching motions are nearly identical. It, it was just really cool to see. Uh, but to your point about, you know, it's easy to pick him based on what he's done his last few times out, you know, that's, that's correct. It, it, it is, it is easy to make that pick. And that's why I'm not going to make it. The, the question of who is the bullpen ace for the Reds is there is not a bullpen ace for the Reds. There is nobody in that bullpen right now that I can look you in the eye and say, this pitcher is a model of consistency. And I trust that every time he comes out of that bullpen, we have a chance to, to shut down the opponent and win the game. There's nobody I'm willing to say that about right now. Now, we have a lot of pitchers down there that have the potential to be that guy. We have a lot of pitchers down there that can occasionally be that guy, but we don't have anybody that I'm just like, all right, here we go. This game is over. We get the win. We don't have that right now. Now, that's not to say that somebody won't get there this year. That's not to say that your guy, Jeff Hoffman, is not going to put that together. But we will definitely uh, need to wait not a little bit longer into this. You got to get his jersey, dude. It's going to happen. <laughs> but, you know, maybe we revisit this conversation in late June, early July, and maybe there's a clear answer. Maybe there's somebody that has stepped up and really uh, established themselves as the guy. But right now, he doesn't exist in, in the Cincinnati Reds bullpen. You know, that's fair. I'll, I'll give you credit there because when I talk about Alexis Diaz, if you were to ask me and say, who is the one guy that you got to get three outs? He's the guy that you're going to. I say Alexis Diaz and there's like probably like 20% of my fan heart. That's just like, and I think that the answer to that question, you need to have no part of any part of your fan heart. That's going crazy and being like, Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I think we should probably think about somebody else. So yes, he's close. He's not quite there yet, but I think that if I were to pick, I would pick Alexis Diaz right now because he's oh, and he's so much fun to watch. He just, he really is. He, he has that kind of moxie on the mound. There was a pitch that he had a slider that dipped just below the zone. It was a ball according to the box on the screen, but he really thought it should have been a strike. And I think he thought that the batter should have swung and he kind of had this reaction. It was just like, Oh man, you gotta be kidding me. All right, here we go. I'm going to get you out next pitch anyway. Well, you know, Jeff, our third question was going to be a question that pertained to what was going to happen with bad Vlad, but that got answered right as we sat down to record in case you have not seen it. Uh, Vladimir Gutierrez is going to make the start against the Cubs tomorrow. Uh, Charlie Goldsmith broke that on Twitter yesterday and, uh, 
So we have to move to a new third question. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into what we expect from bad Vlad because uh, he's, he, he is consistent and he's We're just hoping he's not Vlad, <laughs> bad, bad Vlad. Exactly. So third question, let's just get into a little bit of what we're looking at coming up this week. The Reds are going to be opening a nice long homestand starting with a four game set against the Chicago Cubs. And, you know, we're just basically going to try and get, get into right now, Jeff, uh, are the Reds going to beat those Cubbies? Is that going to happen? Uh, let's start with your predictions. What do you see coming up in this four game set? Yes, they will beat them three out of four. I'm seeing it, especially because if you look at the probable starters for two, three and four, you got Tyler Malley, Luis Castillo and Hunter Green. Holy crap. Who are the Cubs putting up against those guys? I mean, is Marcus Stroman? I, I think Marcus Stroman was hurt last I saw. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun watching these dudes pitch against this Cubs lineup that has been inconsistent. It's got talent. Don't get me wrong. And there's some dudes that can go yard, especially a GABP. But I look at this series and I think that the Reds can win three out of four. Now, it's interesting. And there's something that I was thinking whenever you're talking about Vlad and starting game one. Because... There's nothing more evident to me that David Bell listens to this podcast than the fact that day after we said Vladimir Gutierrez needs to be demoted to the bullpen, he does get demoted to the bullpen. But guess what? He didn't pitch. So that was literally David Bell being like, you know what? Steve and Jeff, they were right. I need to demote him to the bullpen. But then by happenstance, because he hadn't pitched yet, they're like, okay, well, we need him to start, so he's going to start. I bet he's going right back to the bullpen after this because I think Mike Miner's going to be healthy for the weekend series and stuff like that. But it's just it, it, there's no more evidence to me that he listens to this podcast. So, David Bell, hi. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss anything that we've got coming for you. But, yes, three out of four. Reds are going to take three out of four against the Cubs. You know, Jeff, I agree with you. I, I too was looking at how this rotation is shaking out and looking at what the Cubs have done in the last week, week and a half. And I really do feel like this is a series that the Reds can win at home. They can take three or four. Uh, they could stumble into a sweep, really, depending on how uh, which which Vladimir Gutierrez shows up uh, on that first game on Tuesday. But Good. for me, uh, you know, I like their chances with with. Mally on the mound. I like their chances with Castillo on the mound, and I definitely like their chances with Hunter Green on the mound. So, you know, I think that they win all three of those games. I think that the resurgence of Joey Votto is going to continue. I think that he's going to come into Cincinnati and put on a display. That is my prediction. We're going to see some home runs. Joey's going to play long ball. He's going to barrel some balls, and he's going to hit a ball out of Great American Ballpark during this four-game series. There's going to be a ball find the river. That is my prediction. That is my hot take, Jeffrey. I like that. You're making calls. I made a call yesterday that he would go yard before the game, and I was right. You're making calls. He's going to go more than yard. He's going to go river. I like that. Go river, Joey Votto. Maybe so he I know our listeners. Tundra. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. So listen, Jeff, I know that our listeners are like, you guys did not talk about Graham Ashcraft at all. He made his debut. Just want to let the listeners know, check your feeds. There is a bonus episode of the podcast coming today. We're doing a little crossover with our friends over at Locked on Blue Jays. And during that conversation, we will break down what we saw from Graham Ashcraft. You'll get all your coverage of him there. But we didn't want to duplicate it because we had a lot of things we wanted to talk about today. So much, especially since you're back and you missed a week and it's great to have you back. Glad to have you back. And 
the Reds got good while you were gone, so you're welcome. And we're gonna have a lot of fun. No, I'm kidding. We're gonna have a lot of fun this week because, like Steve and I both said, Reds are going three out of four. They're getting three out of four against this Cubs team. Maybe four out of four. Who knows? But on that positive note. It's time to end. Thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast today. Coming up on the next podcast, after a long layoff of not pitching at all, how will Vladimir Gutierrez look in his start on Monday against the Cubs? Thanks for making Lockdown Reds your first listen. Now make Lockdown MLB your second listen as Sully has you covered on all things Major League Baseball, both past and present. He brings you his unique perspective each and every day on the Lockdown MLB podcast that's just like Lockdown Reds free and available on all platforms. Steve, Joey's back. Aquino probably isn't back, but it was nice to see him. And you're back. So what's that mean? That means that Votto is going to bang. The Reds are going to take three of four. We will have you covered locked on Reds every single day. Talk to you tomorrow.